Okay, thank you, ladies. Second Peter, chapter number two, Second Peter. So that's the second book of Peter. We're almost at the end of the Bible there. And so Second Peter, and we're going to be looking at chapter number two. Yesterday we preached a message on the issue of clothing and media, uh, excuse me, modesty. And we dealt with some of those issues and tried to give you some Bible help there, at least some passages you got to wrestle through. We didn't have time to fully deal with those, and, and, uh, but we did show you that they're important passages and God is telling us something there about uh, the issue of modesty, clothing, etc. And God's interested in our lifestyle. He's interested in how we live. And as we mentioned, I think on Sunday, we're all advertisements for what God's doing in our life. So clothing is a part of that, and we won't re-preach that message. But we're going tonight to media, media. Now, media has become complicated. It used to be simple. It was simply a television. And uh, I, uh, I remember uh, growing up, that was kind of the only place you'd find media was either print media, of course, we didn't really think about that, uh, or the television pretty much was it. And uh, that was kind of what you, uh, I remember preachers dealing with. Sometimes the movies, of course, were part of that as well. Uh, but things have become much more complicated with technology. You've got all kinds of platforms, social media, and different ways uh, to access uh, television, or media, I should say. And uh, I uh, remember back when I was a kid, uh, I'll be honest with you, I became a TV addict. I'm telling you, I'm just being dead honest. I remember uh, my Christian school, school would get out about 3.15, 3.30, and my uh, wheels home was my older sister. I was in seventh grade. I had to go home with my older sister. She was in 11th grade. That's my sister Joy. She's been with the Lord now, so 12 years. But, um, but anyway, she was my, um, she was my um, way home, and uh, she had a tendency uh, to totally disregard the clock. And in fact, she never lived by the clock. And uh, I, uh, I remember getting frustrated. Man, I'm telling you, she'd be there talking to this guy and this guy, and she meant well and all this kind of thing, and this girl and whatever. And I'd be looking at my wristwatch, and I'm thinking, man, it's getting close to 4 o'clock. And I'd be going over there, telling her, hence, Joy, we need to go. Spider-Man's on at 4 o'clock. And uh, I, they used to have a cartoon called Spider-Man. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay, we got some out here. Know what I'm talking about? And 4 o'clock was Spider-Man. And, boy, I didn't want to miss that. And I remember getting so frustrated with my sister. I mean, she didn't, it was like she was deaf. She was just doing what she was doing. You could never hurry up my sister. Anybody that knew Joy know what I'm talking about? And, uh, boy, I remember more than once being really frustrated I had to miss Spider-Man. Unbelievable. So I, uh, I uh, as a kid, I had my favorite media things. And uh, my parents were good parents, don't get me wrong. But television was changing. And I think they were probably not real concerned about it as long as I got my homework in, got good grades. I probably weren't too concerned about a little television. But I became, there are certain programs I just became addicted to. And I've told you this before, Monday night it was Gunsmoke. Yeah, I love Gunsmoke. Tuesday night it was a Y5O. Wednesday night it was about, I think, about 20 minutes of the bionic woman. Then I had to run to church and always wondered what happened. And then on Thursday night it was SWAT and the streets of San Francisco. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, how many? Okay, I got some baby boomers out there vibing with me. And Friday night was my favorite. It was the $6 million man. Yeah, we have the technology. We can rebuild him. We can make him faster, stronger, etc. Now you're playing the theme in your mind. Those of you that remember good old Steve Austin, the bionic man. Yeah, he could throw styrofoam boulders. He could run through paper walls. The special effects back in those days weren't special at all. Okay, 
But I remember back in those things, of course, he'd run fast. It was just, you know, they just speed up the tape and uh, uh, kind of look kind of jerky. But anyway, that was back in the day. And uh, so uh, uh, I, I certainly remember media becoming uh, uh, too important in my life, no doubt about it. And uh, God called me to preach, and I had a sensitivity to the Lord. But I can honestly say that I, I didn't really know the presence of God. There's a lot of spiritual truth I didn't get a hold of until I went to Bible college. Now, the Bible college I went to at that time, I hope it's still this way, I have no idea, but uh, they had no televisions in the dormitory, nothing at all. And so it was like absolute uh, yeah, austerity when it comes to media. When I went to college, there was no media. I mean, none at all. <laughs> Pretty much, uh, I didn't see the World Series. In fact, I can tell you right now, the World Series starting in 1968, I can go all the way up until 1978, and then I can pick up in 1982. You know why? Because I went to Bible college. I can't tell you who won those four years. We didn't have TVs to watch the World Series. I mean, it's just a blank, a, a black hole right there, those four years. But I'm grateful for it. Because uh, at that time, God, God worked in my heart, did a lot of things about media, made a lot of decisions that I believe have set me in real good stead for my life and ministry. My wife and I made a decision early on, we're not going to have a television in the RV, and we didn't have a television in the RV. And uh, uh, so for the, all those years, we still don't. I guess we have uh, uh, in our... Uh, in our, te our telephone, we got, a, got media access, but the old traditional television, we've, we don't have in our, uh, in our trailer. And so um, uh, these, uh, uh, these are decisions and things that I want us just to think about because I remember in college making decisions about media. And I remember God dealing with me about certain things and realizing, you know what, uh, there's some biblical principles I violated in some of my media choices. And, and it was kindergarten compared to what you've got today, but I, I'm grateful that God began to deal in my heart. And from that time on, especially in the early years of ministry when television was a little more prevalent than it is today, it's simply a part of multimedia opportunities and it's a little more challenging to address it all. But uh, I remember I would from time to time deal with the issue because I was certainly burdened about the deadening effect that it had in my life as a teenager and how when I got to college, the spiritual things began to, to liven up and I began to see some things happen in my life and how important it was to get that distraction really under control in my life. So I preached on it from time to time and I was just going through my files today and pulled out a letter from August 8, 1996. It didn't seem that long ago to me. Does that seem a long time ago to you? But anyway, uh, here was a letter from a young man. He actually typed it out. And uh, oh, this is uh, probably back on a who knows what computer. But anyway, uh, he said, Dear Mr. Van Gelderen, that's what they called me back then, he said, Thank you so much for your message on Sunday about TV and on Monday and Tuesday, especially the one about hidden sin. I've been saved for about eight years. About two and a half years ago, I couldn't sleep, so I went downstairs to watch TV at 2 a.m. That was not a good decision. That night, I saw two movies that were filled with garbage. Ever since then, it's been a struggle to keep my mind pure. Uh, it has progressed to sneaking behind my parents at, back to, at night to watch more filth. I've, I've done not, next to nothing for God. My spiritual life has been highs and lows, but with God's help, I'll build bridges over the lows to stay high and consistent in my devotional life and in my attitude about service. And he goes on, and then in P.S., I showed this to my dad and mom because they knew nothing about this. Well, that uh, certainly was something prevalent. Those kind of decisions were made often back in the, uh, in the 90s, particularly 80s and 90s as preaching. And, but now it's a little bit different. It's a little more complicated because, like I said, we carry a television around in our back pocket, don't we? We can access almost any kind of, uh, of uh, media. And again, some of it's beneficial, and obviously some of it is, is neutral, and some of it is detrimental. 
But I think it's important for us tonight just to take a few moments and try to visit this issue of media and try to get a biblical perspective on what are principles that can guide us in making proper media decisions in our lives. Because there's no doubt about it, a media can affect us. And there's no doubt about that some of those philosophies, I'm particularly as a young man, I can look back at some of that and really began to realize I was buying into some of those Hollywood philosophies inadvertently, not even understanding it. I'll illustrate some of those a little bit later on. But here in the passage of 2 Peter chapter 2, I'm going to uh, call him this. I want to preach tonight on Lot, the Bible's first media addict. Okay, Lot, the Bible's first media addict. And we have a tremendous verse of Scripture here, or three or four verses, that talk about Lot that help us understand uh, his particular problem. So first we'll look at the media problem, and then we'll look at Lot himself and see how the wrong media choices affected him in a detrimental fashion. I think most of us understand, and I think I mentioned this the other day, that most of us would not put Lot in heaven. No, we would not put Lot in heaven if all we had was the Old Testament. But God has given us this passage of Scripture, and since I think God has a sense of humor, He thought we wouldn't get it if He mentioned it once. He mentions it multiple times. He wanted us to know something about Lot. He was saved. When you get to heaven, there's one thing you can be sure of, you're going to see Lot. Now let's look at this passage of Scripture because it gives us insight into some of Lot's poor media choices that really caused him problems. Look at verse number 6, "...and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them with an overflow, uh, uh, overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live," here's our first word, "...ungodly." And delivered just Lot vexed with the, here's our second word, filthy conversation, third word of the wicked. For that righteous man, there it is, you got just Lot, righteous man, dwelling among them, notice this, in seeing and hearing, notice those two of the five senses, in seeing and hearing, vexed, here it is again, his righteous soul, three times, he's telling us this guy is saved, his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. I want you to see there's four words in here that give us an indication of the media choices that Lot made. When Lot moved to Sodom and Gomorrah, he introduced his family and himself to media choices that perhaps he was not totally unaware he was going to see. And the Bible says he vexed his righteous soul. But I want you to notice why I call Lot as our first media addict. Do you notice of the five senses, which two senses God says he used to assimilate the media or the world around him? And that, of course, is his eyes and his ears. He saw and he heard. And whatever he saw and heard, the Bible says it vexed his righteous soul. As a believer, it bothered him. Now, the problem was he never did anything about it. And as a result, we realize he finally got his family out of Sodom, but we all know he never got Sodom out of his family. And one of the problems with tragically allowing your family to watch certain media, you may one day make a decision and get them out of that media, but the tragedy is sometimes you can't get the media out of their hearts. So that's why it's important early on to make important decisions when it comes to what we are going to let our family watch, media choices. Now the very first word I want us to look at is that word ungodly. It's the last word of verse number 6, which indicates that obviously Sodom and Gomorrah was a place where there was ungodliness. Now this particular word is an interesting word according to Zodiades. It's to sin against anything which should be considered sacred. So it has the idea of that in a certain sense, which is ungodly. In other words, it's an affront to Almighty God. It is not reverential to God at least. And it of course is uh, something that we would consider offensive to that which is biblically sacred. Now I think we would understand that there's a lot of media choices out there that uh, could we put it this way, 
are an affront to Almighty God. Some of them are overtly an offense to Almighty God, and some of them infer offense to Almighty God. Uh, I, uh, uh, for instance, some things, there's media out there that certainly would mock God and make fun of God. We certainly know cursing. We'll talk about that in a moment, no doubt about that. I remember years ago in the 90s, uh, there was, uh, I think it was an MTV cartoon. Many of you are familiar with it. It's, I hate to even mention it because it was certainly, I had, I was perverted. It was uh, a cartoon by the name of Beavis and Butthead. And uh, I remember one time I was looking through, doing some material, some search, and I came across a still photo. It's, I think, one of the few things I've scene that was a photo off of that particular program and I wouldn't even go into the scene because it was vile even for a cartoon it was absolutely vile but I remember noticing something that above the scene there was a picture on the wall of this home where this scene was taking place and in the picture you know what it was it was a picture of the last supper a picture of the last supper now I can guarantee you that was no mistake that was an intent to mock almighty God and I will tell you, it doesn't shock us, obviously, when that kind of thing happens. But I think sometimes Christians can become desensitized to it. Uh, I have noticed and kind of with kind of amazement in the last few years particularly, even so-called children's movies have gone into paganism. Paganism. A movie that just came out, Turning Red, Disney Pixar put out, is a movie that uh, exalts and talks about ancestor worship and also has scenes in a pagan temple from what I understand the research I've done. Uh, the, the Disney Pixar Soul talks about the afterlife, but it is completely an unbiblical picture of the afterlife. Disney Pixar's movie Coco goes into the realm of the dead, again with a completely, it's almost, you know, completely uh, unbiblical understanding of those that are dead. Now, my point is, it's kind of interesting that even in children's movies, we are seeing an interest into paganism, what we would call paganism, or that which is clearly an unbiblical picture of what the afterlife is going to be like, or an unbiblical picture of who God is. This shouldn't surprise us, but this is the world in which we live. There seems to be more and more of an entry into paganism. Even in the superhero universe. And honestly, when I was growing up, I, uh, as you probably already picked up with the Spider-Man cartoons, back then it was fairly benign. It was just cartoons, old cartoons, and some of them were pretty, pretty poor, pretty lame. But uh, as far as animation technology is concerned, but uh, so I can, I can talk about the, some of the old superheroes. There's two different universes. There's the Marvel universe and there's the DC universe. How many knew that? How many knew that? Okay, there it is. Some of you younger ones are in trouble for knowing that. I set you up. Okay, shouldn't have known that. Okay, I'm just teasing with you. But anyway, there's two universes. And uh, I have uh, certainly, uh, over the years, I've had an interest in animation. And from time to time, just uh, uh, maybe read an article and kind of keep up with what's going on. And what I've been amazed with is there are several of the superheroes that have, how do I say this, pagan or supernatural overtones to their persona. Thor is a Greek god. Dr. Strange, as I did a little research this afternoon, uh, is tied up with demons. Now, isn't that strange that superheroes would be into the supernatural? So this is certainly a day in which we live when there's obviously paganism. Now, sometimes, honestly, we say, well, what's the big deal? I want you to put a finger in 2 Peter chapter 2. I'd love for you to read these verses with me in uh, Deuteronomy chapter number 7. So if you'd go to Deuteronomy chapter number 7, I want to read a couple of verses that help us understand that paganism is actually a big deal to God. Did you know that? 
False religion is a big deal to God. It's not something God says is not a big deal. Notice what God says about paganism here in verse number 25 of Deuteronomy chapter number 7. He said, The graven images of their gods shall ye burn with fire. Thou shalt not desire the silver or gold that is on them. Did you hear that? God's saying, listen, when you take over people and you see a, a golden God, don't peel the gold off that idol, burn it all. Now, that's stunning. It really is. God says, don't be interested in what they're covered with. Thou shalt not desire the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it unto thee, lest thou be snared therein. For it is, don't miss this, an abomination to the Lord thy God. Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thine house, lest thou be accursed like it. And thou shalt utterly detest it, and thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. Did you hear what that said? If I were you, I would never bring a movie into my house that had anything to do with paganism. Because God says he has a curse on it. I wouldn't watch Turning Red if you put a gun to my head. I am not interested in watching a movie that exalts paganism in some measure. And yet I'm talking about people out here who watch movies that exalt paganism and act like it's okay. And I'm just telling you, I'm not trying to be in kind. God has a problem with it. If he hated it thousands of years ago, he still hates it now. He hated it so much, he said, don't you dare, children of Israel, ever take a false god into your house. Don't do it. I don't care how much gold it has. I don't care how much silver it has. Don't want it. Don't desire it. Burn it in the fire. I'm telling you, friends, there ought to be something in your heart if you're loyal to Jesus Christ. There's something in your heart that if you love the Heavenly Father, that you don't want to bring false religion into your home, even in the form of a movie that exalts it or kind of, kind of gives you the idea that it's okay. Hey, listen, friends, I'm not interested in watching anything that's tainted with that guy, Dr. Strange. I'm not in, demon is, listen, I want to tell you something. We're in the United States of America. We kind of downplay demonism, but you can just go to a third world country, and I'm telling you, demonism is no joke. Man, I've dealt with a, not a lot of teenagers, but several teenagers I'm convinced were having demonic encounters. And a lot of it is because they're making unwise decisions in the music and the media choices. And I believe they're just putting a door wide open to let the devil come in their life. I don't understand it all. I'm not trying to be spooky. I'm just telling you, God's saying something pretty strong. And I think we ought to, we ought to just listen up. So um, let's go back to the text there in 2 Peter. So the first word is the word ungodly. Now we also recognize that there are philosophies out there that are ungodly in the sense that they promote an anti-God philosophy. And one of those would be evolution. I remember in eighth grade, I, don't, I don't, again don't know why my parents, my parents were good parents, they just, they just was just one of their blind spots. But I remember in eighth grade, on a Friday night, I believe it was, I turned on the television and watched the very first episode of Planet of the Apes. And that's one where Charleston Heston is at the very end of this film, He's on the shoreline, and he sees the Statue of Liberty, and he realizes this is planet Earth. And, of course, he's had this big interaction with the apes. I watched the whole movie, and, of course, at the very end, Charlton Heston cusses up a blue streak. Of course, I didn't know that until I heard it, but um, I'm just an eighth-grade kid watching that movie. Now, if you don't know this, you probably do. When a child or a teenager watches a movie, they live in the aura of that movie for two or three days. Adults, it's sometimes one or two days, but a child, I believe it's a little bit more. 
Two or three days they live in the aura of that movie. And I will tell you, I remember living in the aura of Planet of the Apes. And I can be honest with you, I know this sounds funny. I was just an eighth grader, so give me a pass. I really, for those three days, you know what I grappled with? I wonder if evolution's true. I battled that for two or three days. And all I'm going to simply say, friends, is there's philosophies out there that are anti-God. And I will tell you, evolution doesn't come from the Bible and God's people ought not be friendly to it. It's an affront to a creator who created us in this universe. So there's a lot of philosophies out there, a lot of things that are anti-God. And to use the word, they're ungodly. They're an affront to that which is biblically sacred. And so God is simply saying, you better be careful about those things. And I believe it's a big deal. I believe it was part of the problem that when, oh, when Lot got to Sodom, one of the biggest problems is there was paganism and false religion everywhere. And they saw it and they heard it. And who knows if they brought it into their house. But it was a part of the problem because that particular word tells us that it was. Now it brings us to a second word um, that I want you to see here in verse number Seven, it says, and delivered just Lot, vexed, here it is, with the filthy conversation of the wicked. The word filthy there is a very interesting word. I believe it's the word often translated lasciviousness. It's the idea of unbridled license. It's the idea of no boundaries. It's the idea of uh, excessive sensuality. It's somebody who lives in immoral excess. They have no boundaries. It's all the filth that's out there. So what the Bible is saying is when Sodom, uh, when uh, Lot and his family walked through Sodom and Gomorrah, they basically were living in a pornographic city. And they saw unbridled license around them all the time. It vexed his righteous soul. But the Bible says the filthy lifestyle, conversation of the wicked. Now, I don't think this will shock any of us because we recognize the world that we're in. And it's interesting to me, when I read this letter a moment ago, here's a kid went down, watched two movies, evidently dirty movies, and then began to go watch more. And, of course, he writes this letter de desperately grieved about it. And I'm glad that he was. Don't get me wrong. But some of you have heard me say this, that unfortunately in the world in which we live, many young people, they say, in one night, a young man in this culture will often watch more pornographic images in 2022 in one night than a World War II veteran saw in a lifetime. Now let that sink in. It's completely stunning. I remember years ago in the 90s at a camp called the Wilds of the Rockies in Kremlin, Colorado. I remember one day a young man came up, probably 16, 17 years old, and he was broken. He said, Brother Van Gelder, and he said, I was in a basement with some friends of mine. He said they threw in a dirty movie, X-rated movie, they called it back in those days. He said, uh, he said I turned over to this computer. He said, nothing wrong on the computer. I just used it as a distraction. That was mistake one, number one. You know what God says about lust? Flee. That was his first mistake, he said. He said, I got on that computer, started goofing around that computer. He said, I, nothing wrong with the computer. He said, preacher, he said, I looked up. And he said, I'm telling you, all it was 60 seconds. All it was 60 seconds. He said, all, all I saw was 60 seconds. But he said, I wish I'd never seen it. And he just sobbed. Here's a kid absolutely broken, don't miss this, of watching 60 seconds of pornography. And he was broken. You know what amazes me about that? We're living in a world when kids watch hours and they're not broken at all. 
You see, the filthy conversation of the wicked is simply that which is inappropriate. It doesn't have to be X-rated to be inappropriate. Our world's going to have, well, they have ratings on movies, but some of even the low ratings can have immodesty and in provocation and inappropriate. We all understand that. And some of the humor and the innuendos and all that kind of thing. We recognize these are very real things. It's interesting to me that in Ephesians chapter number 5, you don't have to turn there, the Bible tells us something that's very interesting. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, uh, let me just go to it myself, but um, in Ephesians 5, it says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not once be named among you as becometh saints. Now, we all know what fornication is. It may be the narrow definition of premarital um, uh, sexual sin. It could be the broader definition of fornication, which is really the whole arena of moral filth. It says uncleanness. That's pretty much just moral filth. That would just include anything that's dirty. God says, let it not once be named among you as become a saint. How many have ever gone down the pet food aisle and maybe bought some dog food or cat food, you know what I'm talking about, and you take it home? And I will tell you, on every single one of those containers, there are these words. Help me out now. Not fit for. Yeah, you've read it too. Do you know what God is saying in Ephesians chapter 5? Fornication and uncleanness, not fit for, human, uh, for saints' consumption. It's not fit. It doesn't become God's people. And that's like Paul has an afterthought. Oh, by the way, neither filthiness, you know what that is? Dirty talk. Nor foolish talking, that's the talk of fools, that would include a lot of things, including taking God's name in vain. Nor jesting, jesting is the idea of to turn well, that's what the word means. It means taking something that may be innocent and turning it so it's dirty funny. It's the dirty innuendo, the dirty joke, the dirty humor. God says, let it not once be named among you as become saints. So how many times should God's people want to watch a sitcom where there's dirty humor? And their answer, God says, is not one time. This is not fit for saints' consumption. See, that's where Lot got in. He was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, so he was hearing the vulgar words. He was hearing the dirty humor. He was hearing the inappropriate. He was seeing inappropriate dress. He was seeing inappropriate actions. And obviously in Sodom and Gomorrah, we know it was bad. So the next thing we got better tell us, you better be careful about the moral issues. Now let's go to the third word that I want you to see because these are interesting words because we've got to get to, I want to get to Lot, how it affected Lot. Uh, there it is. It says in verse number 7, And deliver just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation, here it is, of the wicked. Now these are all four. These are different words. This particular word, uh, according to one of the commentaries, it pictures them as rebels against the law of nature and conscience. One commentator pointed out, this is the word that was talking about homosexuality. The filthy conversation of the wicked. In other words, those that disregarded the laws of nature. Remember what we said last night, 1 Corinthians 11 says, Doth not even nature itself teach us that it's a shame for a man to have long hair? The Bible says there are certain things that nature teaches us. This particular word is a word that is simply helping us understand that Lot was in an atmosphere where even the laws of nature were being disregarded. And uh, that's the word. We know uh, from uh, Leviticus 18.22, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. 
That's a strong verse. But I'm going to tell you something, friends. I didn't write it. God did. It's an abomination for a man to have a sexual relationship with another man. That's what it's saying. Now, I'll be honest with you, as Christians, we've gotten afraid. And we're thinking, preacher, you can't say that. You're going to get canceled. Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. It's really good when you work for God because they can't cancel you when you work for God. So um, we understand that part of the problem that Lot and his family was having is they were watching perversion of, of all kinds of nature, not just that, the whole thing. And they were just living in, in a world that was dominated with a disregard even for the laws of nature, of course, that God had created. He's created the laws of nature. So there are certain things that are innate within us. We just know. It's what the Bible says. Doesn't nature teach you? Shame for a man to have long hair? Wow, that's an interesting Bible verse, isn't it? Okay, so that's the third thing. The fourth thing is found in the last word there. Uh, the last word is uh, there in verse number 8. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful, here it is, Deeds, they're unlawful deeds. Really, the key word is the word unlawful, so it's second to the last word. And the idea there is lawless. It's the idea of they lived without law, and particularly they lived without God's law. So it was a total disregard for anything God said. Now, you could put a lot of things in here. We could just take the Ten Commandments. There was clearly a disregard, obviously, for verses like, uh, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that take his name in vain. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, friends. I, I personally, I, I want to think, think about this. Have you ever sat down in front of a screen and heard Jesus Christ's name taken in vain multiple times? Then come to church, get up and sing, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. I'm not trying to be unkind, but you know what that's called? Hypocrisy. The truth is today, we would not let people talk about our mother the way we, the way we let Hollywood actors talk about God. And yet we let them talk about God and we don't think a thing about it. We have gotten used to God's name being used in, in a uh, disrespectful, uh, blasphemous fashion. We've just gotten used to it. I remember several years ago, this is back I think 10, maybe 15 years ago, I was in a church and I don't know why. Sometimes I'll come across a statistic and I just throw it out there for a little grenade just to get attention. And I was preaching along and I said, the movie King Kong has Jesus Christ's name taken in vain 13 times. That was the statistic. I didn't watch it and count them. I just got out, saw the statistic and quoted it. And I said, the movie King Kong, been God, uh, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, not God's name, Jesus' name taken in vain 13 times. I remember I just kind of went on, and the, minister, uh, the message fi uh, finished, and one of the deacons came up to me, and he said, Brother Van Gelderen, he said, I'm so ashamed. He said, I bought that DVD. He said, I watched it. And he said, i got to be honest with you. I don't remember Jesus' name being taken in vain once. You know what he was telling me, don't you? I've gotten so used to hearing Jesus Christ's name taken in vain, I could hear it taken in vain 13 times and I didn't even register. See, that's what happened a lot. They're unlawful deeds. People who disregarded even the Ten Commandments, they disregarded them. How about honor thy father and mother? Most sitcoms today uh, that have children in them, the children are bratty kids who make fun of their kids and the dad's a big doofus. You know what I'm talking about? 
Now, I, I don't know why. I've always been fascinated by an, animation since I was a little kid. And, and my dad gave me a chalkboard, probably about six or seven years old, and I began to draw cartoons on, my, on, the, cart, on, the, on the chalk. I'm not very good, but I, I enjoy cartoons. I don't do it a lot. But, uh, uh, so I've followed animation history. i got a friend who's an animator uh, and uh, has animated uh, different uh, Christian things. And uh, so we, he, he keeps up on animation. Every time I'm with him, we talk about animation, where it is, the technology, and all that kind of stuff. And I know that's probably a boring you but just went a little side interest of mine and and so I've kind of always kind of kept my eye on what animation is doing and and I remember back in the light late 1980s something happened that was breaking in animation history and that was a cartoon was created for adults first time ever every other cartoon was created with children in mind but they created a cartoon with adults in mind I hate to tell you it's still with us it's called the Simpsons in 1989, Time Magazine, which is not known to be an independent fundamental Baptist publication, but anyway, Time Magazine in 1989 did an article on The Simpsons. Do you know what the article was called? Quote, TV family from hell. You know, sometimes secular people have more sense than we do. I sometimes, when I'm preaching to teenagers, will say this. Hey, if Bart Simpson was a real person and he lived in Old Testament Israel, he wouldn't have made it through the first episode. He'd have been under a pile of rocks executed. See, but see, that's lawless. God says to honor your parents, and we're watching people disrespect their parents and treating them like they're doofuses. How about... Um, well, there's so many things we could say. Um, Time Magazine reported this. You ever heard the, the command, by the way, thou shalt not kill? How about this one? Time Magazine reported that by the age 16, the average American child has seen more than 200,000 acts of television violence, including 333,000 murders. Isn't that interesting? How about this verse, Psalm 11, verse 5, The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked, and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. That is a strong verse. I've grappled with that verse. If you love violence, God says, he really is, he has an attitude about that. It's a tough verse. But I'm telling you, God's people today, unfortunately, sometimes fall in the same trap of watching violence. 33,000 Murders. You know what that's called? Lawlessness. And the list could go on. I think the movie Rambo, I know this is all old, but 44, I think, uh, specific killings. There's a killing every 2.1 minutes. Now, I know it's a shoot 'em up war movie. I get that, but it's obviously back when um, there was just beginning to be a realism in the shooting of those kind of movies. So it was unlawful. Now, how did it affect Lot? We've talked about the media, and again, there's so many applications we could go to. I've tried to just get you to think because there's certainly many things we could say. But now I want us to consider how did it affect the man Lot? Because there's some indications here in the text that obviously it was a problem in, in Lot's life. The first one was he became conditioned. 
Now, if you know anything about the Old Testament, we won't turn there. In the book of Genesis, there were three stages in Lot's getting towards Sodom. The first thing is, the Bible says he pitched his tent toward Sodom. The second one was, he dwelt in Sodom. And the third one was, that Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. So the first one was, he pitched his tent to look at Sodom. The second one was, he moved into Sodom. And the third one was, he was an elected official in Sodom. So there was a downward progression. In other words, he became conditioned. And it's obviously it took him time before he began to realize that, uh, that obviously he got, like we talked about last night, desensitized. If he'd never set his, pitched his tent towards Sodom, pretty good chance he never moved into it. But he began to be enamored with that city. Every morning he got up and he'd look at Sodom and he'd see what was going on. And he became enamored with it for whatever reason. The Bible doesn't tell us why, but then he moved into Sodom. And pretty soon he got elected, which is a remarkable thing. So there's no doubt about it. In the 60s and 70s and even 80s, we began to recognize that there, were, there began to be little minor things happen to get us to become desensitized. You know, sometimes I think we give Hollywood too much credit. They're not dumb. They know what they're doing. On, uh, in the 1970s, there was a program called The Brady Bunch. It was the very first time on television uh, history that an inside of a bathroom was shown. Now, that may seem highly insignificant, and I'm not, I'm not saying that, it was, that that's a huge issue. All I'm saying is they knew what they were doing. You know why they did it? They wanted to see if they could get it by the censors. And the truth is, many things that happened in the 70s, we began to see the envelope get pushed in the 70s, and then in the 80s, and then the 90s. Of course, I began to lose track of things uh, after the 70s because I went to Bible college and pretty much was done with television and only kept up with research. But I remember even as a kid things happening in movies and TV programs, and even as a kid I knew, you know, that's not right. Little things. And you know what that happens? They get desensitized. I'm going to mention them. I, I hesitate to do it because somebody says, oh, that's not a big deal. That's the problem. I remember one time I was watching the Jetsons, and some, I know I'm kind of embarrassed to mention that I watched the Jetsons, but I was watching the Jetsons one day, and, and this shapely secretary walks by, and George Tongue hangs out, and his heart starts beating out of his chest. A heart comes out of his chest like that. Do you know what that's called in the Bible? Lust. Fred Flintstone was always sneaking around his wife's back, lying to his wife, going down to the Buffalo Lodge and trying to sneak down there to see all the bathing beauties jump out of the birthday cake. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Seemed harmless back then, but it was obviously a part of us becoming desensitized. And you know, one of the things I probably noticed, you may have too, sometimes I'll remember, oh, that was, I got to get that for my kids. They'd love that. And then I get it. You know, on all DV, this would be years ago when they were little, I'd put it in. I remember one time I got something that was kind of an animation thing. Again, it was kind of mixing real life with animation. That was kind of a cutting edge thing back in the 70s. And I remember watching it as a kid, thought, oh, that's really cool. And, and so I remember, oh, I saw it one day and I thought, oh, it didn't cost anything. Got it. And I popped it in for the kids. I didn't watch the thing five minutes before I'm apologizing to my kids and said, you know what? I didn't realize there was all these bad innuendos because they weren't catching them. They were so young. But I began, have you ever watched something you thought was really cool as a young person and then you listen to it and you're horrified because all the innuendos and the double meanings and all the stuff going on? Yeah. See, that's, our world has slowly but surely desensitized us. Now, I know you might say, oh, that's not a big deal. But the point is we got used to that, then we get used to the next level and we get used to the next level and now we are where we are. So the, that's what happened a lot. 
I'm sure there were times he was shocked. I'm sure there were times he was absolutely stunned. But what happened? He got desensitized. He began to watch more. And he began to watch more cutting-edge stuff. And he began to be vexed more. I'm simply trying to help us to understand that uh, if you're not careful, you, you can become desensitized, just like Lot did. So first, he was conditioned. Number two, he was obviously controlled. Notice what the Bible says there. He was dwelling among them. He now had made a choice. I think of that verse, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful unto me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now, it's interesting, that little word expedient simply means it doesn't give you the home court advantage. So God's saying, hey, listen, all things are lawful, but there are some things that will not give you the home court advantage. Now, I think most of us understand if you're any kind of a sports fan, uh, if you're pulling for your brew crew or you're pulling for your Packers or whatever, you want to have the best record or you want to have it. Why? Because you want the home field advantage in the playoffs. You know what I'm talking about? The ultimate I saw that was the Chicago Bears in 1985. I know it's a very tough illustration to give in Wisconsin, but I'm going to give it anyway, okay, because that's our only glory. You guys have had way better seasons than us. So let me just glory in the one season we got there in 85. But the Chicago Bears went through the NFL. They lost one football game, Monday night to Miami Dolphins. I got friends who were there. Every time they were with me, they remind me they were there when the Bears lost in 1985. But anyway, and so uh, they had one game, which means they had home court advantage or home field advantage all the way into the Super Bowl. Now, for the Bears, that was phenomenal. Why? Because the Bears had the best defense, some say, that the NFL has ever seen, and they loved the cold weather because they loved to hit those guys so hard. And you know what happened in those two games? They beat the Giants 14 to nothing, and then in the NFC Championship, they beat the Rams 21 to nothing. They didn't ever even get close to a touchdown. You know why? Because the Chicago Bears loved home field advantage. And you know what God's saying? There's some stuff you not, ought not watch. You know why? Because you lose home court advantage. And when you're fighting the devil, you don't want to lose home field advantage. It's not expedient. It's not advantageous. So sometimes we need to be careful because those things can. But the next one is the one I really want us to talk about. It says, all things are lawful unto me, but I will not be brought into the power of any. It's like this. Does media control you or do you control media? <laughs> you ever picked up your cell phone and 45 minutes later, you were going to look at something for five minutes and 45 minutes later, you realized you didn't even know why you picked it up the first time. Yeah, we've all done that. Like, what? how did that happen? Wasted my time. And certainly we realize media has an unusual power to control us. I remember back in the TV days, there was a joke. I thought it was a hilarious joke. It's about this guy, uh, his preacher, I mean, his preacher preached a message. Man ripped it up about media, television, and he came forward and his preacher said, I want a 21-day commitment from everybody in the auditorium. I want you to make a 21-day commitment to have a television fast that you're going to put the TV in the closet for 21 days. This is a new Christian. He came down. He signed the pledge. 21 days, he's going to do it. Put that TV in the closet. Now, the preacher got concerned about him because he was a new convert. And, you know, he hadn't, he hadn't been saved very long. So about a week into it, he says to this new believer, he says, now, how's it going with this 21 days with the TV in the closet? He said, it's going great, except the TV, he said, the closet gets crowded. Okay, but anyway. Yeah, so understand sometimes, sometimes, some of you are still thinking about it. You'll get it, just think about it. 
A survey was commissioned by TV Guide a few years ago, found that 23% would give up all television permanently for $25,000. Would you? That was back when $25,000 was money, but there's been something called inflation. I'm not sure where that came from, but anyway, okay, 23% would give it up permanently for $25,000, but 46% would have to be paid at least $1 million. And 25% wouldn't even do it then. You know, if you wouldn't give up television, and back in the day, for $1 million, you're addicted. So Lot was controlled. He didn't leave. He was dwelling among them. And did you notice he was there day by day? Every day, Lot watched something he shouldn't have watched. That's what it says. Number three, he was condoning. He obviously didn't say anything. Even his sons-in-law thought he was joking when he talked about the judgment of God. And so when you condone, the Bible says in Isaiah 5.20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Proverbs 17, 15, he that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the just, even they both are an abomination to God or to the Lord. Number, um, number four, he was, he was converted. We've already mentioned that. He was a righteous man, a righteous soul. He was just Lot. He was saved. Also, lastly, he was convicted. Twice you find the word vexed. Literally, he was worn down. He was exhausted. The idea was troubled greatly. And I will tell you, friends, the amazing thing about Lot is obviously he was saved and God was dealing with him, just like sometimes he deals with you. Ever been in front of a, watching a movie or in front of something, you're thinking, man, I ought not watch this. I mean, years ago, I can't remember exactly all the circumstances, but I was, uh, there was a Disney film called Pocahontas, and I, oh, yeah, Pocahontas, she, she, uh, she got saved, you know, whatever, and I started to watch that thing, and it wasn't long into that thing I realized that it was about Indian mystical religion, and I left the scenario. So sometimes, friends, God convicts us, says, you know, really, this isn't good. This is not what you ought to be watching. You ever been there? You've been in front of the television and saying, you know what, there, that man, that's not good. I, I remember many times, even though television was pretty uh, tame compared to what it is, I remember my dad getting up and saying, we're not watching that, turning the television off. And that's the idea. Lot was vexed, but he didn't leave. He didn't turn it off. And like I mentioned a moment ago, he got his daughters out of Sodom, but he never got Sodom out of his daughters. What a tragedy. You know, last night we talked about modesty, and I think most of us understand the importance of being uh, mod uh, of uh, modesty. But, you know, I didn't mention this, and I probably should have last night. You know where modesty is most important? In the home. A lot of kids get messed up because there are not good modest issues when it comes to home life. But, you know, a part of modesty in home life is what you let through the media outlet. That's part of modesty in the home. And obviously Lot didn't, uh, didn't take Bible provision on this, and he was vexed. God convicted him. Now, I don't know where you are in your media choices. I know some of you have got uh, carefulness, and, and obviously I've dealt with the, uh, the issue of pornography. I've only touched on. I'm not primarily dealing with it. I think we all know the issues there. I'm primarily dealing with other media outlets that perhaps uh, there are a little more discerning and a little more we got to be careful on. But I wanted you to think the nuance through to, to really ask yourself the question, is there, is there anything I'm watching? I'm thinking that that violates the Word of God. That's not helping me. That's not giving me horde advantage. I, I, that's controlling me. I'm not controlling it. 
And I do remember as a teenager God convicting me watching some of those 70s TV programs. And I remember God convicting me, especially when I was off to college, but even there, some of it my senior year, and God saying, you, need to, you, don't, you shouldn't watch that anymore. You know what he was doing? He was vexing me. I want to tell you something, friends, you better listen up when God vexes you. You know what, maybe I shouldn't watch all those war movies where all these graphic killings and there's a lot of violence and I get enamored with it. i got to be careful about that because God says if you love violence, God's got an issue with that. See, I don't know what it might vex your righteous soul. Maybe it's just God's convicting you about listening to stuff where God's name's taken in vain or there's disregard, where there's vulgarity and inappropriate language and you're thinking, wow, I've let that stuff slip through. Man, we got to deal with that. I don't know what your vexing is. But I do know this. I remember years ago I was working with a very needy teenager. He uh, traveled with our team just for a week, and it was a rescue week. Don't have time to go into the full story tonight. Some of you may have heard me tell the other parts of the story. But he came with me to a church, and I remember that in that particular situation, uh, he stayed with the guys at a home. And I remember one day he came to me, and he said, he was perplexed. He said, Brother Van Gelder, he said, I got a problem. He said, you have to understand, he said, uh, I'm a media or a movie addict. He said, you name the movie. He said, I've watched it. He said, that's just what I do. He said, of course, he had just come that week. He'd gotten some things right with God. He was just bad lifestyle. Long story. But he says, you know, I'm staying in this people's house in the church, and they go to church every time the doors are open, and they seem like really nice people. But he said, I looked at their movies on the shelf. He said, preacher, I've watched them all. He said, most of them, no Christian has any business watching. He says, I know, I've watched them. That was interesting, wasn't it? I remember several years ago, I was preaching, I believe, in Sumter, South Carolina. And I finished preaching, and a guy came up to me, a teenager, and he was kind of perplexed. He said, preacher, i got to talk to you. I said, sure, let's talk. He sits down, he says, yeah, yeah, what's that Ephesian verse you went over? And I go over, you know, let it not once be named among you, become a saint. And what was that Psalm 101? You know, I was sitting away, and I went over that, and I went over the path. I can't remember all the passages that he brought up that I'd preached on. And then he looked at me kind of perplexed. He said, preacher, he said, if I obey those Bible verses, he said, I'm not going to be watching nothing on television. And I didn't do it, but you know what I felt like doing? I felt like looking at him and going, Ta-da! Light bulb moment. You say, well, preacher, there's some good things on media. Well, obviously there are, but he wasn't watching them. You see, friends, the truth is for all of us, I believe he was probably a Christian. He was just an untaught kid. And he was just inundated with media. At that time, was largely television. Making decisions when he realized, whoa, that's not what the Bible says. And I... Uh, I remember a couple of summers ago, I, I, do, I want to do this again, but I, I did an experiment for an entire summer. I'll say this and be done. I did an experiment for an entire summer. Uh, I love news feeds, and then some of you know what I'm talking about. I love politics. I don't know why, because it, it uh, gets my heart rate going. You know, I feel invigorated. It, it wakes me up when I'm tired. You know what I'm talking about. It's just great. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. So uh, sometimes I can get on news feeds, and sometimes I can spend a little bit too much time on it. So one summer I decided I'm going to try an experiment. Every time I have an urge to pick up my phone and look at a news feed, I'm going to have a stack of books that I'm going to read. Some of you, how many students remember when I brought that stack of books to chapel? Yeah, I brought that stack of books to chapel. It was way up here. And I realized something, how easy it is to get distracted by technology. Not it was bad. The news feeds weren't bad. It's just they were time-consuming. 
I don't know what God's dealing with you, friends, and I don't know where God's going to take you with it, but I want to encourage you this. Say, Lord, what would you have me to do?